Is that right? Can you can you hear me? Is it working? No. Oh, now. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Well, it's, um, good morning. It's good to be here. I uh, after a long time away, feels like ages. I was away for over a month, um, traveling through mostly throughout traveling through Southeast Asia, visiting the different mission fields that Weld in Need is uh, partnered with. And as part of my um, um, ministry with Weld in Need, I visit uh, the fields, um, mission fields, and um, I pay pastoral visits to them. Where I, The idea is that I pray and I encourage them and uh, say a good word and encourage them in the ministry. But to be honest, when I get there, it's, it's, I realize that I'm the one who needs prayers and encouragement. And I go away encouraged, um, feeling a bit guilty that I received more than what I actually gave. Because seeing people on a grassroots level picking up um, their calling and just going ahead with, uh, with serving the Lord without any support, without being part of any international networks, um, they just get on with what they have. And seeing that is, is very humbling. It's very humbling. Um, one man I uh, stayed with is a 55-year-old Thai, uh, Pastor Peter, who 10 years ago received his calling to, to leave everything and just follow the Lord. And so he did. But he had no support, no support base, no one to turn to, actually, to ask for support. But he started. And this is how he lives until today. I spent a few days with him. And every day in the morning, he starts the day with worship. He picks up his guitar, and he plays, and he sings. And... Uh, and then he prays throughout the day, just committing every need to the Lord. And, um, and as he does that, to the point that on um, our world in need compound in Thailand, we had uh, a tree, a coconut tree, which didn't give any fruits. And he stood in front of it and said, in the name of Jesus, you will bear fruits. And behold, two months later, we had little coconut fruits there. And I, and I tasted. So, so, so I, I go away from these meetings humbled, uh, from these visits humbled. And, um, and I think to myself, I need some of that in my life. I need some of that faith in my life. So, uh, so it's been a good experience. Part of the reason why I went out there was uh, to organize a training for outreach to Muslims, for local missionaries from the Asian region. We got them together in Malaysia. And for a week, we talked about reaching out to Muslims. Um, in that region. And there is a real hunger in the world um, amongst Muslims for gospel. People are waiting, we find, people are waiting for someone to come and tell them about Jesus. Muslims have dreams, they have visions, um, but many don't have anyone to tell them who is it that they're actually seeing. Jesus told us about this 2,000 years ago when he said that um, harvest is plentiful is plentiful and then he said pray to the lord of the harvest that he'll send out laborers into the harvest now the laborers are there they're sitting in the church now we have to pray that they will be sent out um and and part of welding needs calling is actually is actually equipping people locally to to be sent out to understand what is it that the lord is calling them to do and what is it that they're doing? So, um, so that's part of the reason why I was out there. Um, um, our church here has been part of this training uh, um, by, through prayer and by support. And so I'd like to say thank you very much. 
And then when I came back from Asia, I went to see my family, who live across in Poland now. Uh, most of you will remember two months ago, we stood here with my wife and uh, um, a child, uh, son, Oli, and um, we told the church of uh, how we're being led now to move to Poland. And we told you about um, um, the time that we're moving across and, um, and that um, Magda and Oli would be the first ones to go. And there were many questions at that time and many uncertainties when we were up here. We weren't quite sure where we're going to live, what we're going to do, where's Oli's school going to be, and, um, and, 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 and many questions are still there. But um, I must say, the Lord has been good in the last 10 months. No, actually, I should rephrase that. The Lord has been exceedingly good. He's been exceedingly good in guiding and in leading. Um, when, when we went to Poland, we, we, we thought, okay, we, let's, let's look for a flat. But everyone kept telling us, you're not going to find anything in that city because um, the university students started coming back and they're taking up everything now. But on the first day, we committed everything to the Lord, of course. But, and on the first day, we found a flat in one of the most beautiful parts of the city, surrounded by pine forests, peaceful, um, really lovely, at an affordable price for us. Um, and, and we were so grateful. Um, thankfully, Oli didn't get into the school that we were hoping he would. Um, but, um, and we were a bit disappointed at the beginning, but um, the school he actually got into turned out to be one of the best ones in the city. And, um, and it's right next to... Next, next to our house, he cycles there every day, and um, and he's settling in really well. The teachers are understanding. Um, he has a bit funny accent, and uh, he doesn't speak quite as they would like him to speak. But uh, but he's catching up, and and the school is good for him. And um, and it looks like the Lord is is guiding and leading us. We knew that financially we needed some extra help, and it wasn't all easy. Um, so we we're praying for a job for Magda as uh, she moved there. And, um, and so in, in September, we thought, okay, now it's time to start perhaps looking. And in the first week that she started looking, she found exactly what she was looking for. And so she'll be starting tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow is Monday, 2nd of October. So, uh, so the Lord has been, has been good to the point that the family, our family, who, uh, who are not uh, in faith, who are not believers, they started asking, how, how come, how come? Uh, you know, it's all going so smoothly for you. You're making this transition um, without any resources. Um, how is it working for you? And, um, and we said, um, it's all through prayer. We could testify that it's all through prayer. It's not us. It's the Lord leading and guiding. And, um, and, so, and so he's been, he's been really good. And uh, Magda sends her warm greetings. She, uh, she misses the church family so much. So much right now. But, um, but this whole thought about God's guidance and, and leadership in life gave me a lot to think about over the last, the last uh, few months when, we're in, when we knew we were, we were making the transition. And, um, and, and I thought that this morning I, I'd like to share with you some of my reflections. But what I... And it made, me, it made me rethink, rediscover Lord's guidance and his provisions and his, and his leadership in life. And, and so I'd like to share with you some of those thoughts uh, this morning, some of the reflect, reflections from that. Um, so 
let's let's go let's go let's start with Psalm 23. I like to start read Psalm 23 at the beginning. I know some will know this. Some of you will know this psalm by heart. Uh, psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd; I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cap overflows. Surely the goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the reasons I, I like this psalm so much is because it's so peaceful. There's so much peace in it, and it, and it, and it hits you. And um, in a lot of David's psalms, you can f he pours out his heart to the Lord. Yes? You, you see, oh, Lord, I'm going through this trouble. I'm surrounded by enemies. Where are you, O oh Lord? Have you forsaken me? And in a lot of Psalms, you'll find there is this tension there. David always turns, points to the Lord with trust. But there is, in many of them, there is that tension. But here, it's just peace. And um, he's not ignorant to the troubles, to his troubles, because he talks about walking through the uh, valley of the shadow of death. He talks about being surrounded by enemies. He talks about evil in this Psalm. And yet, so much peace. Um, scholars believe that David wrote this psalm towards the end of his life. Yes, so, so when he looks back, when he looked back, this is what he saw. Someone said to me recently that this is David's testimony. This psalm is David's testimony. He saw, he said, at the end of his life, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And he, and he guided me and he led me in the toughest of times. He was there, he was there with me. What does a shepherd do? David says the shepherd anoints, he comforts, he restores. This shepherd um, leads and he guides. In, in verse 3, you read that he guides, the Lord, he guides me in the paths of righteousness, David says. Um, the other version, I think the one up here, is that he guides me in the right paths. He guides me in the right ways. Yes? Which if you think about it, it's really interesting that uh, David uh, messed up so much in his life. And he's done, um, he, took so, he made so many bad decisions. And yet, his testimony that the Lord guided me into the right paths. Why? Why did he do that? It's the same verse. He says, for his name's sake. In verse 3, he said, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For the Lord's name's sake. One Bible commentator said that uh, he observed that David is saying here that God's name lives in us. And we are called by his name. 
And it is because of his name in us that he guides us. It is because, because we are called by, by his name that he guides us in the right paths. Because we are his children that he guides us. Now the Bible tells us we, know of, we learn of God's unending love for us. We, we read about God's grace and God's mercy. But here David reminds us that we are called by his name. We are his children. And that is why he'll guide us. And that is why he'll guide us in the right paths and the right ways. For his name's sake, this uh, verse. This is what sets us apart. Those who believe in Jesus. Believers. We are his now. He is, we accepted his lordship. And he is our shepherd, guiding and leading us. And David had a lot of guidance uh, experience in his life, as we know. And I'd like to look at one story of how David was guided. And then at the end, um, I have a few points of how to be led by God, how to be guided by his spirit. So let's go to 1 Samuel 29. 1 Samuel 29 and 30, two chapters, actually. Um, we won't read all of them, but, um, but I will um, first read the first four verses and then go to chapter 30. So 1 Samuel 29, you can, you can follow it here on the screen. So the Philistines gathered all their forces at Aphek, and Israel camped by the spring in Jezreel. As the Philistine rulers marched with their units of hundreds and thousands, David and his men were marching at the rear with Achish. The commanders of the Philistine asked, What about these Hebrews? Achish replied, Is this not, uh, is this not David who was an officer of Saul, king of Israel? He has already been with me for over a year, and from the day he left Saul until now, I have found no fault in him. But the Philistine commanders were angry with him and said, Send the man back, that he may return to the place you assigned him. He must not go with us into battle, or he will turn against us uh, during the fighting. How better could he regain his master's favor than by taking the heads of our own men? Now, chapter 30. Chapter 30, starting from verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag. On the third day now, Amalekites had raided the Negev, Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burnt it, and had taken captive women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it, was, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and daughters, um, because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abithar, the priest, the son of Abimelech, Bring me the ephod. Abithar brought, him, brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue the ra this raiding party? 
Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. And skipping to verse 11. They found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. They gave water to drink and food to eat. Part of the cake of pressed figs, two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived, for he had not eaten any food or drank water for three days and three nights. David asked him, to whom do you belong and where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Kerethites and the territory belonging to Judah and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag. David asked him, can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master, and I will take you down to them. I'll stop here. It's a fascinating passage with a series of events connected with each other. Uh, But there is an underlying hand of God here, guiding and leading David and his men, both the chapters. You see, it wasn't a good time in David's life. He was uh, rejected by Saul, by his uh, people, and he, at this point in his life, he was living off of uh, um, ra- raiding and um, killing and stealing, in a way. And then he joined Philistines, Philistines, who at that time were uh, considered um, impure, who, who were who to, to, to Jews to, to join Philistines was like a treason. And um, you remember David uh, slayed Goliath, who was, was a Philistine himself. And here, David joined their army. And, and he was going into battle against Israelites, against Hebrews, against his own brothers, fighting for the Philistines. It wasn't a good time in his life. And you see, life is a series of choices. Yes? We make decisions and then they make us. If we make good decisions, we're successful. If we make bad decisions, then we're not. And David here was about to make a bad choice. Yes, he was about to go into a battle that would probably change the trajectory of his his life. And the Lord knew that. He saw it. Had David gone into the battle, that would have followed him forever, that he fought against his own. And if Saul was killed in that battle, that would have been even worse for him. He probably wouldn't have fulfilled what the Lord had in store for him. And so, and so David had used Philistine commanders to send him out of the battle. The Philistine commanders didn't like the idea that there were Hebrew fighters uh, fighting against Hebrews. And so he said, no, send them back. And, um, um, and David uh, eventually let in. In the beginning, David didn't want because it's, it's disgraceful to be sent away from a battle. And, and he was trying to persuade them, no, let me stay, let me fight with you. But they, were, but the, but they said, no, you can't. You can't fight with us. Um, and, and, uh, and they had to leave. And there was another thing happening at the same time. While David was preparing here for the battle, Amalekites have uh, raided his hometown, where his wife and his children were, where the whole, all of their wives and children were. And, um, and, uh, and David didn't know anything about this. The Amalekites carried everyone off. They burnt down the city. Um, and David had no idea. But the Lord knew. 
the Lord knew. And again, he used the Philistine commander to, 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 to send David back um, because there was trouble back home and David was needed. Had David gone into battle, he probably wouldn't have been able to save his wives and, and, and their wives and their children. It would have been a completely different story from then onwards. And um, just some reflection here. See, David was disappointed. You can, you can see that he was disappointed by the rejection of the, of, of, of the Philistines. There was another rejection. There was a rejection uh, from Saul and his own people, and now here we read of another one. And, um, and there will be many times in our lives that there have been and there will be when we are faced with disappointments and rejections and something that we wanted very much perhaps didn't work out for us. People have walked out on us or created uh, difficulties. Uh, all sorts of difficult uh, uh, situations will arise. But, um, and it's, it's, always, it's always easy, just like David in Psalm, to, at the end of it, at the end of the troubles, to look back and to say, yes, the Lord guided me. But when you're in the middle of the storm, it's the most difficult. It is the most difficult. But this story here teaches us and shows us that with all the things happening around David, um, um, the disappointments with the Philistines and, and then the tragedy of finding his own family carried away. The Lord was still there with him, guiding him. He may not have realized it at the time, but the Lord was guiding him and he was using the different circumstances in life to guide him um, in the right path. So, um, so when David and his men, they saw what happened, they reached the city and they saw that, they were, that their families had been carried away and everything was burned to the ground. They started weeping, the Bible says, until they had no more strength to weep, crying. Um, and then um, the men started blaming David to the point that they wanted to kill him. That's a few hundred men. Um, but the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Think about it, disappointment, tragedy, losing family, your own friends, people you've been with, they want to kill you now. And yet, David's eyes were fixed on the Lord in all of this, in the midst of that. No wonder the Bible says that the, David was a man after God's own heart. In the midst of everything, all the troubles that were surrounding him, David looked to the Lord for guidance, for strength, and for encouragement. And, um, and, and, and we see this pattern in David's life throughout. When, he's, when he was joyous, when everything was going well, he sang psalms and he worshipped the Lord. And, and we, we see psalms of that. When he, when he was surrounded with troubles, he looked to the Lord for strength and for guidance and for encouragement. But in both situations, he was looking to the Lord. And his perspective was that of the Lord. He was, he was looking up. And that's why, that's why he found strength and encouragement and said, let's inquire of the Lord. What should we do now? Let's look to the Lord. Will I, should I go after them? Will I catch them? Will I overtake them? Will I bring my family back? The Lord said, yes. You will. 
And so David went um, uh, after the Amalekites. But the story does not end here because we read of an Egyptian slave boy who was, uh, who was left by his master in the desert because he was sick. And the master thought, oh, he's going to die. Just leave him to die in the desert. Well, he didn't die. Um, but the David and his men, they came across him. And, and again, here is, and if they hadn't met this Egyptian boy, they wouldn't have found the Amalekites. So again, you see the Lord leading David and his men and using an Egyptian boy to guide David to where he is to be, where he is to go. And um, so in this, in, the, in this passage that we read, we see David, God using Philistine commanders to guide David, um, to send him back home where there was trouble. And then God uses, used an Egyptian slave boy to guide, to guide David to, to, to their families. And this is why David looks back, I believe. You see, stories like this from his life, he looks back later on in his life and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He guided me and he led me. He guides me and he leads me in the right ways. For his namesake. For his namesake. And, um, and if we're... Uh, and, and I was amazed with, the, with this story and it really inspired me. And if, if we are, then, then I must say that today we have a Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. Today, God is more intimate with us than he was with David. He's closer to us because of the Holy Spirit living in us. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which, which uh, comes into the life of every believer. Um, um, today, we have closer relationship with God than David had back then. How much bigger will the guidance uh, and, and leadership of God will be in our lives today? Not will be, but is. And that has been my experience. That closeness, that intimacy with the Holy Spirit, with God, which all of us have, all believing Christians um, 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 who are called, who are His children, who are called by His name, um, is, is so powerful in our lives. And God is so close to us, closer than we, than we can even um, begin to think. So as I said earlier, that life is about making decisions. And then these decisions, they shape us. And, um, and I'd like to give you a few points, looking at the clock at the back. Should finish in time. Um, 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 I'd like to give you a few points of um, how I, from, from what I think, how we can be led by the Holy Spirit. Just a few practical points, six points. Three of what we shouldn't do if we want to be led. Three of what we should do if we want to be led. So number one, if we want to be led by God in our lives, don't, we should not follow the world and its culture. We should not follow the world 
and its culture. You see, we live in a society which has its own moral codes. It has its own current culture, and culture changes. And, um, and it has its own regulations, things we can do and we cannot do. And it is only natural for us people to make decisions uh, based on what's acceptable to everyone around us. Yes, that's how we naturally make decisions. Um, and there are great pressures to confirm to, to, to confirm to the world's culture, to what's acceptable. There are great pressures on Christians today. Yes? Um, lots of criticism and so but we but naturally we want to make decisions on so so everyone will be happy with the way we make decisions. We want to fit in. This is natural. And this was but this was also Israel's problem for, for, for thousands of years. You see, Israel um, wanted to be like the nations around them. They wanted to fit in. But the Lord over and over came to them and said, no, 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 you are different. You are to be different than the rest. You're not the same. You, 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 you have different... So God gave them, gave them different rules and, and regulations, their own, which would set them apart. Do not follow the world and its culture. Um, culture changes, and something that is right today may not be so in few years' time, but God remains the same. His laws do not pass. And, um, and something that is acceptable by majority doesn't mean that it is right with God, doesn't it? So if we want to be led by God, we should not follow um, the, world's, the world and its culture. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. So, here, Paul is telling us, look, don't follow the world and its culture. Forget it. Yes? But allow God to transform you instead. Get closer to Him. Allow Him to transform you. And then you'll be able to discern what is God's will for your life. Number two, if we want to be led by God in our lives, we shouldn't be led by our circumstances. God leads his children in many different ways. Sometimes through circumstances, as we're reading today. But we must be very careful not to assume um, that everything that happens to us is a will of God. Yes? Oh, my train was late. I was late for work. This must be God's will for me. You know, oh, there's a traffic on the road. This must be God's will for me. So, so it's, it's very, it's, it, it, it is very, um, it's very uh, common that, that, that we do that. Um, but we must be careful um, because circums- we, can, we must be careful not to use circumstances uh, as, as the will of God, but rather use circumstances to confirm the will of God. Yes, we're not to judge what is the will of God by the circumstances, but rather 
um, to confirm the will of God. In, in, Acts, tw uh, in Acts 27, we read of, uh, David, uh, of, sorry, of Paul being taken on a boat to Rome. He was arrested and he was taken to Rome. Now, David, uh, sorry, Paul uh, was on that boat and, um, and he said that he had uh, a feeling that they were sailing into a storm. And he went to tell the sailors, said, look, I don't think we should go because we're going to have losses, not only in cargo, but also in people. Um, but the sailors had said to him, um, they looked at the weather, they said, no, look, the, perfect, the weather is perfect. The, um, 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 and even there's a gentle breeze. Perfect. No, we're going to sail out. And then they sailed into a perfect storm uh, as we read on. And, um, and you see, the circumstances were ideal for them. It was perfect. Everything was working out for them. But it wasn't the will of God for them to sail out because they sailed into the storm. Jonah is another example in the Bible where, he, where God told him to go and preach to Nineveh and he said, no, I will not. And he got into, onto a boat. Well, you see, he, he, went into, he must have gone into the port. He must have bought a ticket for himself. He must have made it onto the boat. There was space on the boat. They sailed out of the port and there he was. So he must have, one would have thought, well, look, the circumstances are perfect. You know, everything is working well. This must be the will of God. Well, he couldn't be further from the will of God, could he? So it's important. Um, sometimes we see that gentle breeze, and, and, we, and we think this must be God's will, um, and we walk right into a storm. So we can't trust circumstances, and um, we can't use circumstance, circumstances to discern God's will, but rather to confirm God's will. Number three, um, if we want to be led by, by God, we cannot be led by our feelings. And um, most people base their decisions on how they feel. Yes? All right, this doesn't feel right. This feels right. Brother, why did you make that decision? Oh, I had peace about this. Well, there has to be more than just peace to make a good um, 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 good decision. There has to be more than, than just feeling of peace because emotions change. Some of us more, are more sensitive and they feel more. Others are less sensitive and uh, it's the same throughout the day. You know, and, um, um, and so we can't trust the feelings. But it sounds very spiritual, Yes? Oh, I have peace about this. Oh, I don't have peace about this. But we can't discern God's will um, just by merely looking at um, um, our feelings, how we feel about the situation. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. A man has a feeling, yes, I feel it's right. But in the end it leads to death. We cannot allowed to be led by our feelings. There has to be more. So three things that we should not do. We shouldn't, be follow, we shouldn't follow the world and its culture. We shouldn't be led by circumstances. And we shouldn't be led by our feelings. So three things that we should do. 
First of all, we must be willing to be led. It's a choice that we make to follow. Yes, and most of us, we want blessings on our plans. We have uh, things ahead of us and we, play, we pray, we seek God's favor on our jobs, our schools, uh, future, you name it, I do it as well. We all want God's blessing. And it's all good, but what if God's plan is slightly different? And it would take us on a little detour to a little different place. Are we still willing to follow? Will we still be willing to follow? It's a choice that we make every day. Yes, we want to be followed. I want to be led by God. I want to be guided. Number two, if you want to be led, you should look to the Bible, to God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Your Word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. It is your Word that shows me where to go. You want to know what God's will is for your life? Start with the Bible. Yes? Here. You may not read here whether God wants you to remortgage your house, yes, but, uh, or where He wants you to live, but here are principles which will, which, will, which will give you, which will empower you, which will tell you how to make those decisions. And I found something else. I found that when I read Bible, um, um, God speaks to me about some of my personal things. I open the Bible and God begins to speak to me about my own things. And um, Rick Warren, uh, uh, um, an American pastor and an author of the uh, book Purpose Driven Life, wonderful book. If you haven't read it, it uh, should definitely be on your list of books to read, Purpose Driven Life. But Rick Warren says, when you open your Bible, God opens his mouth. Stop listening for a voice, start looking for a verse, he says. Stop listening for a voice, start looking for a verse. If it's not here, if, if something, an impression that we have of what to do, where to go, is different than what God does and what God says in the Bible, don't go there. Don't do that. We start with the Bible. And the sixth, the last thing, is if we want to be led by God, listen. God's response. Listen. God speaks. God speaks to us through different ways, through the, through the Word, while we pray, while we worship, through friends, through people, through circumstances. And sometimes, sometimes we forget to stop, to pause in our business and just listen. And just listen. Just like David, he paused, today we read, he paused in his... Uh, in, in the tragedy that he was experiencing, and he said, Lord, will you go? Should I go? Will I capture? And then he waited for the reply, and the Lord said, go. I'll be with you. As I said, uh, our relationship with God is more intimate. He's with us through the Holy Spirit. And when we ask him, he speaks. And he does. And whatever... However, we, how, whatever we feel God is speaking to us, then the next, the key is always to test it with the word. To test it. If you feel the Lord is speaking to you, test it with the word first before jumping to conclusions. So, so here we are. Um, just a few reflections, few points on how, how God leads us 
that God does lead His children. God does lead His children, and He leads us. And few points on how to be led uh, by God. May the Lord bless us. Amen. Thank you.